ಇನ್ಸರ್ಟ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೋ ಮ್ಯೂಸಿಕ್ ಹಲೋ ನಮಸ್ಕಾರ ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಟು ಮೈ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಅವೇಕ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಇಂಡಿಯನ್ ಡಿಸೈನ್ ಇನ್ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಟು ವೆಲ್ಕಮ್ ಮೈ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಬ್ಯಾಕ್ ಟು ದ ಶೋ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ದಟ್ ಐ ಹ್ಯಾಡ್ ಫಾರ್ಗಾಟನ್ ಐ ವಾಸ್ ಈವನ್ ರನ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಪ್ಲೇಸ್ ಸೊ ದ ಟಾಪಿಕ್ ವಿ ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಟುಡೇ ಇಸ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಸ್ಲೈಟ್ಲಿ ಕಾಂಟ್ರವರ್ಷಿಯಲ್ ಬಟ್ ಆಸ್ ಡಿಸೈನರ್ಸ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಯೂಸ್ ಟು ಇಟ್ ಆನ್ ಟು ಎ ಐ ನಾಟ್ ಸೇಯಿಂಗ್ ಐಮ್ ಅ ಡಿಸೈನರ್ ಬಟ್ ಲೆಟ್ಸ್ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಅಸ್ಯೂಮ್ ದಟ್ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಒನ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಿನಾರಿಯೋ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಅ ಲಾಂಗ್ ಪಾಡ್ಕಾಸ್ಟ್ ಸೊ ಬ್ರೇಸ್ ಯುವರ್ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅ ಹಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಆನ್ ಆನ್ಸ್ ಲಾಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಅನಾಲಿಸಿಸ್ ಐ ಬಿಲೀವ್ ಹಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ ಇಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ರೀಮ್ಲಿ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅನ್ ಇಂಡಿಯನ್ ಐಡೆಂಟಿಟಿ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ರೀಸನ್ ಎಂಜಿನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಮೋಟರ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ಫಾರ್ ಅ ಕಾರ್ no matter how distorted the current history is being peddled in india we cannot move forward without knowing history i will not be going into the nitty gritty of it but will make some remarks here and there now sanatana dharma which is widely known as the eternal duty of man or laws of living why is this relevant even today and why are we even comparing it with western science is it worthy of a comparison these are some of the questions we will be answering sanatana dharma is relevant for the same reason yoga is relevant today meditation is relevant today brahmins vaishya shudras kshatriyas are relevant today if we don't talk about them now when will we some people might mention Sanatana dharma as an ancient wisdom and it should remain ancient and not in the 21st century. I really appreciate that they understand it as ancient wisdom. But one question that I have is when did wisdom become a victim of time? Wisdom no matter when it exists and where it exists it will always be timeless and eternal. The reason why it is called as ancient is because compared to the current time that wisdom came into existence more than a millennium ago the word ancient is used as an adjective to emphasize when the wisdom began and not when it ended well i know this is a weird flex but let's go with it man let's go with it however wait now before we go deeper we need to talk about the most central topic of sanatana dharma that is gods talking about gods these days is a taboo topic isn't it gods in sanatana dharma are used as a way to understand the universe take for example lakshmi goddess of wealth and prosperity saraswati goddess of knowledge and wisdom kali goddess of death the root word kal in kali means time but we all know that nothing is permanent time kills everything and hence kali is a goddess of death now tell me which subject in the current times do you use to understand the universe that's correct it's science it's okay even if you didn't guess it right in other words gods in sanatana dharma is a personification of science it is both faithful and scientific faith and science are the two sides of the same coin you cannot remove one from the other of course sanatana dharma is also personification of morals and duties 
which all other faiths have too. However, I am more interested in its personification of science. Here is the beauty of personifying science. For example, people who are inclined towards gods more than science, the stories of gods in Sanatana Dharma become a way to understand their surroundings. People start scientifically thinking through gods or in the name of gods. Hence, science becomes more palatable through the stories and description of gods. Now, coming to people who are inclined towards science more than gods, for them, science becomes ethical. You see, the moment you start appreciating the surroundings, you take it for granted. You would start misusing the resources around you. If you start treating your surroundings as godly, would you start misusing or misappropriating them? No, right? The invocation of gods not only help in keeping the resources on earth intact, but also makes you appreciate it. So do you see the importance of gods in science and science in gods? This is what Sanatana Dharma is. Let me also give you an example. I'll ask Sadhguru to explain what Shiva is or who Shiva is. If you want to understand nothing, you must put a hyphen between no and thing. It's not a thing. That doesn't mean it does not exist. See, right now we are sitting here, our microphone, our light, everything is important, but the most important thing is the air that we are breathing for our existence right now. But we cannot see it. Does it mean to say we can do without it? So that which you cannot see, that which you cannot touch, that which you cannot perceive through five sense organs, that is called a no-thing or a nothing. That's called Shiva. Shiva means that which is not. Now listen to what Kurzgesagt, one of the science channels on YouTube, has to say on dark matter. We have multiple ideas about what dark energy might be. One idea is that dark energy is not a thing, but just a property of space. Empty space is not nothing, it has its own energy. It can generate more space and is quite active. Dark matter was first discovered in 1933. The definition of Shiva has existed as long as Sanatana Dharma has existed. More than 4,000 to 5,000 years old. I'm going to shamelessly plagiarize one of the lectures of Sangam Talks given by Professor Rama Jayasundar on basic sciences of Sanatana Dharma. Although the lecture is about Ayurveda, she beautifully encapsulates the differences between Western science and basic science of Sanatana Dharma. Western science is mostly based on Newtonian physics, which has the reductionist approach, meaning the approach to understanding reality is to reduce the larger objects to smaller objects so that it becomes easier to grasp, formulate and build on the knowledge. However, basic sciences of Sanatana Dharma works on the philosophy that nature exists as a continuum. The universe is a dynamic web of interconnected and inseparable entities in a dynamic relationship. Do you see the stark contrast of approaches to science here? 
one breaks everything into simplest form and the other believes everything is interconnected. Now, what does basic science of Sanatana Dharma contain? There are six darshanas in this. Let me briefly explain what each darshana contains. Oh, oh and uh, by the way, a little known fact. Darshana in Sanskrit means to see, to view. And the word theory with a Greek root theoria also means to see, to view. Now let's get into the six darshanas. The first is called a samkhya, which is or which deals with origin of universe and life, mind-body consciousness relationship, causality. Going to the second darshana, nyaya, which deals with deductive reasoning, logical inference, 16 methods of scientific inquiry, diagnosis, Nomenclature for known and unknown diseases and herbs. The third dashana, Vaisheshika, deals with concept of atom like particles. Classification and property of matter, formation of new substances, heat and transformation. The fourth dashana, Mimamsa, logical decision support system for validating and interpreting texts, derivation of research hypothesis. Fifth darshana, yoga, which deals with union with ultimate reality, union of body, mind and consciousness. And final and sixth darshana, which is Vedanta, and this deals with interconnectedness, consciousness, humans as an indivisible whole. All of these darshanas were continuously developed from 2000 BC or even earlier perhaps. And that was 2,000 years before Jesus Christ was born. Let's have a two-minute silence to everyone who thought Indian science is shit, not modern and useless.
I hope that our prayers have reached them. So now, it is important to understand in the Western scientific philosophy that when people like Galileo and others talked about science, they were silenced by the church. Church was too powerful. That was when the age of enlightenment began and age of faith lost its foothold. Age of enlightenment is when reasoning started to appear in science and many people started to loathe the church for the fact that the church did not have any reasons to fulfill their claims of divinity. This was the start of divide between science and faith. On the contrary, Sanatana Dharma holds and binds science and faith together. This is the reason even the Western scientific community has been interested in what Sanatana Dharma has to offer. You need to read the book, India, What It Can Teach Us, by Max Müller, who was a famous philologist from Germany during the 19th century. Of course, that book is also swamped with pride of colonization. He says in the book, to show to the world that Englishmen who have been able to achieve by pluck, by perseverance and real political genius the material conquest of India do not mean to leave of its intellectual conquest entirely to other countries, then I shall indeed rejoice and feel that I have paid back. They were literally, literally taking pride in not only conquering material wealth, but also conquering the intellectual wealth what India had to offer, and only the Englishmen could do it. I'll leave this statement up to you on how this makes you feel. On another note, the Western scientists had been taking immense interest in Sanskrit and Sanatana Dharma, as I mentioned earlier. During the World Parliament of Religions in Chicago and in the Science Expo, Nikola Tesla would shut his pavilion and come and listen to Swami Vivekananda's lectures. Swami Vivekananda and Tesla met a number of times. So Tesla started to use prana and akasha and the concept of luminiferous ether to describe the source, existence and construction of matter. There is also the story of Swami Abhenananda who writes in his diary and mentions about an inventor who took him and showed him his inventions and labs and was extremely curious and interested on Vedanta and India. That inventor was apparently Thomas Edison. You see, such anecdotes in the history to tell all of us that people who were truly interested in science were the ones who had so much respect and were eager to learn about Sanatana Dharma and what it could offer to them and to the world. However, now we have a community called a pseudo-scientific community in India and elsewhere who think they can understand logic and try to be woke and liberal. And by the way, Hinduism is not Sanatana Dharma. It is a corrupted version of it. In my humble opinion, Hinduism that exists today needs to end. We need to do a reinstall of the faith. We see people hopelessly clinging on to gods like Fevicol without knowing the true significance behind the stories of gods and how it is used to understand the universe. We have come to a point where people ask gods for money, house, gold and return they will break 101 coconuts 
Is this some sort of a barter system that they have developed with gods? Let me tell you how the change from Sanatana Dharma to Hinduism happened. We don't have to go really far. Just imagine yourself as a farmer during the peak colonial period. On one hand, you have Christian missionaries who keep pressurizing you to convert and convert your family. And on the other hand, the colonizers are harassing you to pay taxes even when there is no produce from your agricultural lands. If you don't pay your tax, the land will go to the colonizers. The wealth of the country has been looted and still being looted. Just imagine your mental state during these times. Obviously, the only sanctuary that you can afford is the sanctuary of a god, hoping that he will help you and protect you from harm. The more you see the atrocities happening around you, the stronger your relationship with God gets. And the other thing that is happening around you is that the Brahmins who are the learned ones, who are supposed to be the gatekeepers and propagators of Sanatana Dharma, are learning English and possibly going to London for further education. On one hand, the science of Sanatana Dharma is dead because Brahmins learnt English and on the other hand, the traders, farmers, labourers are increasingly calling for help from God to their situation. The balance of God and science, which Sanatana Dharma was known for, has finally been tipped in God's favour. This marks the death of the Sanatana Dharma as we know it, as science lost its foothold. Of course, there's also caste and varna that turned out to be cancerous. I'll graze over this topic sometime in my upcoming episodes. With all of this and in conclusion, the cultural cornerstone for civilizational identity that I will be taking away from Sanatana Dharma is its vitally important scientific discourse that all of us have forgotten. And from the design perspective, for Indian design to be awakened, it needs a basic philosophy and that I feel can stem from the quote, nature exists as a continuum. The universe is a dynamic web of interconnected and inseparable entities in a dynamic relationship. So, this has been a long, long podcast. You might have noticed in this entire episode that there was sheer lack of cringy, lame jokes that I was infamous for. And this is to be blamed for the topic being discussed. I did not want to be booked under 295A. So, yep, that was the main reason. But on a serious note, and in my humble opinion, it is time that we revive this approach to science and for the benefit of science. There are many things the current science is unable to answer, like the wave-particle property of electrons. We need newer approaches to science to compensate and perhaps explore that part of universe that modern science has still not dared to enter. The realm of love. Modern science cannot explain love, at least not yet. Perhaps Sanatana Dharma will. I'll leave this here, and it is time I bid goodbye for now. Stay tuned for more episodes. Until next time. Namaskara. Insert outro music.